Hey guys, and welcome to episode 70 of For The Kudos. This episode is brought to you by the Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival. I'm your host, Joel, and I'm here with... Brett. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, a bit depressed after not catching any fish on the weekend. No, we caught fish, but well, didn't, didn't get to eat any fish. Didn't get to keep any. Yeah. I can't believe we caught, we would have caught over 20 fish and there was about 50 boats around us all bringing in fish and I reckon it was all the same fish because it was the exact same size, too small and it was bullshit. Yeah. It was, um, I was like telling Saskia, don't buy dinner. Like I'm, I'm coming <laughs> home with a load of fish and yeah, they Came out with a tablet to my legs. We could have, yeah. We, if we bought them all, it would, obviously it would have been illegal, so we couldn't have done it, but we could have made a tin of sardines with them. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, on, uh, on the topic of Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival, um, we can't give away too many details, but let's just say keep Friday afternoon free, Friday before the race. That is the 13th of October. It's going to be something pretty cool coming. Yes, can't wait. Looking forward to it. Can't wait until we can talk about it a bit, a bit more. Absolutely. Also with Melbourne Marathon, we um, are planning a shakeout the day before. So that'll be the 14th. Um, so we're planning to meet people about 8.45 for a 9 a.m. run and that'll be from St. Ali at Queen Vic Market. Yeah. So a bit of a different one. Um, haven't done a shakeout from, from Queen Vic Market before. But yeah, St. Ali is, is really cool. Have you been there? I haven't been to the, the new no, store. I, I went to the new airport one the other day. Yeah. And it's, it's really yeah, good. I've spoken to a few people about the shakeout. And they're like, oh, you're doing it at that store. It's cool. Um, so what what do we get? Hun- over 100 people at Gold Coast? Yep. I want to see over 1,000 at this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we wanna, Just we keep sh- multiplying. We want to shut yeah. down Melbourne. But no, all jokes aside, let's get as many people there as possible. Um, that's you know the best way for you guys to show your FTEK support is to come down day before the race it's perfect, you know, nerves are high from everyone racing the next day and it's just a good chance come have some coffee, talk a bit of shit. Ask Short you, little run. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say ask you how you're feeling but you're not racing. Not racing, so, so you can ask me if you want. Yeah. <laughs> how <are> the legs? <laughs> <laughs> um, just some Patreon housekeeping. Episode three of Live, Laugh and Run with Jack, Joel and Brett came out. Everyone's loving those episodes. I know, so much shit talking. In that episode, we promised um, a fishing Patreon episode coming out. <laughs> Don't know if it will come out that, now. <laughs> that's been cancelled. <laughs> yeah. That's been cancelled until Rod takes us to a proper good fishing I spot. I've put, as we're on the boat with Rod, we were talking, hey, we should go on a charter. Just pretty much saying, Rod, you've got no idea where you're taking <laughs> I, I us, mate. I bad about yeah, that. Because like, yeah. I said to her, it was my sister's birthday yesterday and we are at the pub and I was like, yeah, Rod, I'm like, I'm still looking like at that charter. Like, it would be good to go maybe catch some like big fish and stuff and I can see like you just gone, oh, I've, I've failed you. <laughs> you kept just saying that. Oh, you know, catch some big fish. Yeah, big fish. Rob's he's like, like I'm, I'm trying. trying. <laughs> it's a fucking tad, tadpoles. <laughs> you, you, you complaining? These hooks are bullshit. These hooks are bullshit. And you're getting angry, and then at the very end, you caught two fish at once. Yeah. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, I know what you can say. The hooks weren't the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and also, we've been talking about this the last few weeks, but chasing Paris is finally here. First episode of Chasing Paris with Andy Buchanan and Jen Lacars, hosted by FTK's Riley Wolf, is going to be delivered straight into your ears this week for Patreon members. So another great series. Um, everyone loved the the last one with Geordie, but we've upgraded for sure. Yeah, Geordie's a buddy. Yeah, although saw Geordie at the pub yesterday wearing the FTK hoodie. Not bad by him. Supportive. Yeah, I said I go nice hoodie. He goes, it's not mine. 
And I was like, he's trying to bag it. He's like, it's not, it's not mine. I'm like, well, why are you wearing it? Whose is it? I think it was yours. I think it's his. Hmm. I think it's his, but Sarah wears it more than he does. Okay. There you go. Um, so it was his and Sarah just stole it. And now he's... Now he's saying it's not, <laughs> not mine. mine. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of chasing Paris, London, uh, sorry, Berlin Marathon was on yesterday. Yeah. Um, some ridiculous results. Women's world record has been broken to 11. Yeah. By Asefa from Ethiopia. Yeah. Mate. I reckon, sh- I reckon. you know, I've always said, oh, I wonder what, like how fast I can go in a marathon one day. And I think now my goal would be to break that. <laughs> and that would be success. I, I can hang up the boots if I break that time. That'd be a big success for me. It, it's like, I don't know, 2.11 is so fast. Flying. So back in London 2020? 2019 when you and Jack ran, you ran 2.10.54. Five and he ran 2.11.06 or something. Yeah. yeah. So she, yeah, she's hunting Jack down. I know. And me. And you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. It's it's crazy. And looking at her splits, it's so fast. And then I was speaking to Cape Craig about this at, at um, the gym this morning. But like, so I'll probably beat her in a half marathon by two to three minutes. But then it's the same pretty much in a marathon. Yeah, so I've heard, isn't it? it look, I don't know, again. The longer you go, like there yeah, comes more yeah, even. Yeah, yeah. Good. but I also, still feel like it shouldn't be that much. That close. I was about to spit out some Joel Tobin White signs. Yeah. Peer reviewed. <laughs> yeah. Reviewed yeah. <laughs> but I feel, I feel like that's once you go like 100K, 100K or, yeah. or longer. So Is there any point where they meet? I don't know. 4,000 kilometer desert race? <laughs> yeah. I guess where, the, uh, guess where the longest is a trivia question from the pub yesterday. Um, I forget the exact exact name, but where on what continent is the longest desert ultra marathon? Is it Australia? Wrong. <laughs> Antarctica. Ah, uh, yeah. Someone. Um, I saw someone actually share something yesterday about it. Someone's about to do the longest run in Antarctica as well. Oh, geez. So you pretty much read the answer and still got it fucking wrong. Well, I just didn't knew it was the Antarctic record. I didn't know it was the world record. Gotcha. Yeah. For, for the longest. Yeah. You know, MTC guy has the fastest mile in, uh, I think, m- maybe the mile and marathon. Yeah, and I reckon Antarctica. you might mention that every season on FTK. Yeah, well, I have to mention it once this season. Also, Kipchoge. Oh, yeah. One, again, just standard Good Kipchoge. to see the big dog back out. Yeah. After his uh, very interesting media campaign. got That sent to us a lot. Oh, yeah, I know. So the, funny. The art directors of that. It is quite funny. I thought it was quite... It's it's interesting. It's definitely whack. It looked like more of a music sort mm. of thing. It's mm. cool. Nike always doing cool shit. Yeah. And we mentioned Liam as well. Like, definitely went after the Olympic qualifier. And it's just... I don't know. Marathons are hard. Yeah. It's... Yeah. I, don't, I wonder how many Australians have ever put back um, back-to-back... Or sorry, or yeah, like marathons that fast, like two hundred eight, two hundred eight, yeah, in, in a year or something like that. Yeah, I like, think I thought I thought it was interesting. Um, Inside Running podcast put up the thing like who will beat, and it just goes to show how much of the Australian public fucking are around Liam. Because I thought, yeah. like I I voted no because I simply not that I have anything against Liam. I think Liam's a great athlete. I just did not think he would break it, and I clicked no, and it was like one percent. <laughs> yeah or was it 30 percent? 30 we'll say no but yeah i like I, I didn't vote on it because i was already done I, I tried to i emailed in my my no answer to him <laughs> but no, i was uh but like i know how good of a run that when i broke the record like it was a f- good run for me like i knew everything was going well so that's not just a fucking easy thing you just yeah. go and do it like Definitely. so it's I think still it's, and I, I to be honest i think if he breaks it 
it would actually be good. I would like to see him break it because then I think it would then make you go break it mm. again, you know, and you guys both sort of swap. And then, um, yeah, it's just, it's just good for the sport. Yeah. As they say. Yeah. But we just, that's a fucking slogan off uh, um, buddy, what's it called? He's good runners. Coffee club. Is it? Coffee club. I think they say good, oh, to good the for sport. sport. Yeah. Like yeah. Hashtag. No, but I, th- yeah. What did they say? Wasn't that the someone was having to dig it, dig at them for, I don't know, who knows? <laughs> this isn't coffee club. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to coffee club. Yeah. Good for the sport. They are good for the sport. Um, let's get into some training weeks. Do you want to go through yours first? Uh, I certainly can. Yes. So I started my week off, um, it was came off 10 days of zero training. Did yeah. One gym session. The whole point of it was to uh, reset, like pretty much start from scratch again, reset. It's actually the longest period of time I'd had off with this injury um, because I'd, you know, been deloading and trying to jog every second day and stuff like that. And things just weren't feeling right. So Yoshi said, you know what? You've, you've had this amount of time off. It's like sort of stuffing, stuffing you around. Let's just reset. And you know that if the pain comes back after 10 days off, you know that there is an injury there. Um, like if it's consistent, he goes, otherwise, if it's just a little bit of awareness, you know, it's just phantom pain. It's just due to sensitivity. Yeah. So we'll, it's just like, you may as well, like what's 10 days, right? I've already lost, you know, I'm not going to get fit again. Like I won't be able to do Zatapak, you know, Melbourne half or anything. So the, the end of my road, like road running or for 2023, uh, road and track is sort of, is sort of done. Um, so I thought, well, fuck it. I want to do whatever I can to make sure I'm fit for 2025. Mm-hmm. Ooh, 2024. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Just skip a whole year. The long game. Yeah, I'm, going, <laughs> I'm going to the Bahamas for 2024. <laughs> um, so went for a run on, I did 30 minutes on Tuesday um, just from here. And as, as gross as it felt and, you know, you feel shit, everything feels uncoordinated. I just have like a smile on my face the whole time because it's just like I fucking love running. I'm so happy to be back running. Yeah. It's just a good feeling. The sun was shining and I'm just, it's just like me on the trails and it just felt, felt amazing. And I feel like even though I'm unfit, it's just that it's like, all right, now progress starts from here. Mm. You know, so it's a good feeling. Um, you when, can feel yourself like getting fitter well, each run fit, too. It's sort of just like now we, you know, even though I'm fucking rat shit, start from scratch pretty much. Um, let's try and get a little bit better each run or like, you know, doesn't necessarily mean better fitness wise, but maybe, you know, more active, you feel more activated, Yeah, whatever. Um, did another 30 minute run on the Wednesday. Um, and again, felt, felt pretty good. Thursday had off. Um, and so the, yeah, the plan was for me to do a couple of days of running before like smashing myself in the gym again, because I feel like, what was happening last time is I was pushing really hard in the gym and then I was like doing runs and then I couldn't, and then I could feel this awareness and I didn't know if it was coming from the gym or from running. Mm. And so it was like really hard to tell. So they wanted me to sort of run for a bit and then go to the gym after a few runs. So I had, uh, so was it Thursday didn't run and then, uh, sorry, Wednesday didn't run. No, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, I went to, uh, Prinny park, started jogging a couple of laps and then I saw some skinny little whippet come flying past me. I thought, fuck, that's Dave McNeil. Back. <laughs> so Dave is back from the States. He was doing a three-lap threshold. So I sort of timed my jog to finish where he was going to be, you know, I was sort of going up and down on, on, on Prinny Park so I could finish with, uh, finish with Dave. And then, yeah, it's just good to catch up. And I think definitely, and we've spoken about this before, when you have a little niggle, like if you're proper injured, 
you know, you shouldn't be running, you shouldn't be pushing through pain, right? But when you have one of these things that might be sensitive and you're overthinking it, it's always good to run with somebody. Yeah. It just distracts you. Um, so, yeah, Dave and I finished a run. Uh, I think it was like 42 minutes, just over 40 minutes, and I felt great. But was and Dave doing a threshold Dave, when he came no, so yeah. Da- yeah, so Dave was like running 305s and I was just jogging next to him, just chilling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Dave finished his threshold and then it was like I was jogging while he was thresholding and then we cooled down together yeah. just to make up some more time and then drove straight to the gym and did my whole like gym routine but just reduced the weight. Um, so Richie Johnson, who's looking after my gym, just said, I want with the, like, the leg press um, and the squats, just reduce it. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, reducing it by half is huge. Yeah. Like massive. So, you know, obviously like I was thinking I was doing 250, so like 125 is like nothing. I don't even know what good leg press is. Mate, 250 kilos. Are you serious? Like I thought I did more than that. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I was like 90 to 45. <laughs> really? Yeah, something like that. 100 to 50 or something. So, yeah. But felt really good. Pulled up from that. Um, pulled up from that really well. So, it was Friday. And then Saturday, just went for a swim. Um, and then on Sunday, I did a hour run. Nice. Yeah. So, feeling good. Progress for sure. Progress for sure. Um yeah, hopefully this week it's just yeah going to be a bit more. I'm f- have today off running because of the hour yesterday, and then I'll be. I'm not go- so. I said I was going to come to training um, tomorrow to do a workout, but I was speaking to speaking to Yoshi and Richie, and they're just like, I think you need some more time jogging. Yeah, it's like don't just just jog jog three or four runs, then rock up to a session. It's like I'd prefer to get to the point where. I can jog, you know. You're I'm a full week of jogging kind of thing. Yeah. And you know how fit, like we've talked about this before, but you, you, no, you, you was mentioning it. Tell that story that you said the other day. Yeah. that we. Um, I remember when I first moved to Ballarat, like we just did a, mu- a month of just running, mm. like me, Gregor and Collis. Like, and so we'd do, I think we'd do a few, Tuesday, Thursday, we'd do like a long run, like 90 minutes. And Sunday we'd do hour 45 or two hours. And then every other day just be kind of an hour and we'd sometimes pick it up towards the end of our hours. Yeah. Um, and what do you maybe pick it up to? Oh, I think we might go like 30 minutes jogging, 30 minutes, 3.30s. Yeah. Um, it's still pretty. It's like not threshold, but yeah. It's working, but it's like. You're not easy. Yeah. Um, it's training that dead zone we always Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think we would do some strides as well, but we weren't really doubling that much either, but it's just like a fair a bit of, of just jogging. running. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then like. Gregor and Collis like went down ran a ten k and they both like ran good as. No, I reckon they did it off that and then maybe two weeks later we probably did two weeks of normal training. Then I went and ran Noosa Bolt and like ran I ran good as there. So yeah. you definitely get so fit just from I don't know just mileage in the legs being yeah. consistent with it too. For sure, for sure. So that's what I'm going to spend 2024 doing in the Bahamas and then 2025 come out and race for Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember that when I said the end of one of our seasons, just deadpan said, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to Santorini and Fiji and had all these people messaging me after going, hey, how was the trip? Do you go, you should go there, like recommend like, <laughs> restaurants and stuff. And I was like, read it going, what the fuck are they talking about? And I'm like, oh my God, that joke. <laughs> um, you know, how many Ks for your week? Uh, it's always hard for me to know when I'm not doing much running because mm. I'm not taking too much note of it. But it would be like what eight, a sixteen, twenty-four, almost forty. Nice. Um, yeah. So my week, I actually felt fairly good after Sydney Marathon. Um, 
You said you pulled it. So we talked about this in Live, Laugh, Love and Run um, just because Jack had raced and we were talking yeah. about the difference and like how you'd recovered. Um, like think about like the, the impact on your body running 207 compared to 224. Yeah. And like I feel like when I was running 207, like I could absolutely rinse my body, like get everything out of it where definitely during Sydney, I just was starting to run for first Australian. So you're not like fighting towards the end. You're just making sure you're not getting caught a little bit. Um, but I could tell straight after the race, like even when I saw my mum, like I jogged next to her for a little bit, like where a lot of my marathons, my first few marathons, like I could barely walk. Yeah. And like walking upstairs and downstairs, like it would be so bad where I was, I was pretty good this time. So um, I had Monday off just when I was traveling back and then – Tuesday did 7K in the morning. Um, it was like definitely running downhills. Like my legs just, I don't know, they just don't want to bend. So you kind of like yeah. run with a bit of straight legs. Uh, but felt good. You're walking, race walking. Yeah, kind of. Um, Wednesday morning I did 50 minutes and then went to pulse run in the evening. Um, straight into a double. Uh, I, I nearly didn't go because um, I just, yeah, I started, I got really hungry. and I was like eating like a pack of chips. I was like, I really don't feel like going. And they're like, no, I told Jack I'll go. So I went. If there's, um, one, if there's one thing that is not conducive to a nice Arvo run, it's eating a I know. pack of chips. Yeah, I reckon I ate half a block of chocolate and a pack of chips. And I was like, yeah, I'm pay for this. Uh, it was like a whole tin of Pringles. Yeah, full yeah, full yeah. tin? Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's something runners can do just because we're obviously burning so much energy. There's like, we can gorge like no, oh, yeah. never before. I, I opened up a box of shapes, pizza shapes, put them into a bowl and within 20 minutes, the whole box. Was yeah. Gone. Yeah. I can easily do that. And like, yeah, you just get a little bit peckish. And then peckish. before you know it, Give all your snack. snacks are gone. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, pizza shapes, how good's the flavoring at the bottom? Oh, like, uh, yeah. That's what I look for. Oh, and when it gets all on your fingers. Mmm. 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 Do you remember that time when I had pizza shapes and then you asked if you could lick my fingers? I knew the joke like that was going <laughs> on. I was about to do it to you and then I thought, oh, I can't be bothered. And I just knew, here we go. <laughs> Anyway, Thursday did uh, 50 minutes in the morning. Friday, I met with Jack and we did an hour run around down towards the town and back. Pretty boring week for me actually, but just get, getting those Ks in. Sorry, not a boring week just for you, but it's a boring week for me having to hear it and a boring week for all our listeners. Oh, no. Sorry about that. And then I ran again on Friday, Arvo, and then I had Saturday off because I was like, oh, I can sacrifice a run to go and catch provide for the family <laughs> came back Saskia called me a loser for not catching a fish and for not training like <laughs> and also you uh, had a full sunburnt face yeah I got very sunburnt didn't I but somehow like because I thought I was really sunburnt too but I felt like it faded pretty quick yeah most of my neck our old wrinkly skin just absorbed it and goes yeah I'll add 10 years of age <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Remember that? Remember that joke? Oh, fuck, you made me laugh. And you said your skin was so dry, you bought this like really expensive moisturizer and you, you open up and you put your finger in it and it was like... <laughs> it's all gone. <laughs> your skin has absorbed the entire thing of moisturizer through your finger. It's like that at the moment. Hey, Saskia, um, when you put this video out, can you please airbrush our faces? <laughs> yeah. And I did 75 minutes on Sunday to finish off the week. How'd you find Very it? nice... Day yesterday for running, oh, so good. Yeah, how did you find the um, the like going past an hour? Ah, uh, fine. I was planning to go a bit longer, and then I just kind of got a bit bored. You get a bit t- so there's no no fatigue, sort of in that last fifteen minutes. Nah, like, ugh. 
No, I'm definitely fine now. Like I feel 100%. So, um, but I was just like, I'll give myself this week of just kind of running whatever I feel like and enjoying my runs and stuff. Yeah. So now I'm back into it this week. Went and did some strength testing this morning. Um, nice. They told me to have a month off gym because I'm too strong. Actually? Need to get my strength down, I reckon. You're taking the piss. Yes. <laughs> Fucking hell. Imagine being too oh. strong and they go, mate, or too fit. Too fit, fit is like, oh, oh, have, have a month off, fit. mate. What happened? What do you think happened when I did my VO2 max test? I had to recalibrate <laughs> yeah. all the machines because they thought it was so high. Was so, yeah, that was my week 80k for the week. Not a bad week. So, we I feel like that would have been the perfect week if I was in full training to beat you. You know, once, once a season, I get no, to no. beat you. Yeah, it's like, hmm. and then out of spite, I could try to double you the next week. Yeah, <laughs> um, so yeah, this week I'm gonna do a normal week. I'll go to training on Tuesday, but I'll take it a bit easier. Yeah. And so we are how many weeks away from Fukuoka? Ten. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be funny when you, because I think with the uh, Chasing Paris patron special, um, we will have to do a fill-in hosting role mm. a couple of times, I think, for what when Riley, like, he won't be able to Could host. Could be even this week, to be honest. It might be this week, yeah. Mm. It'll be interesting because you'll be hosting a competitor. Yeah. Have you thought about that? Yeah, I feel that's like, fine. Imagine you're just like, you're just one of those super comp- competitive person. You're like, oh, Jen, what do... And then Andy goes to speak and you're like, I'm not fucking talking to you, Andy. <laughs> Shut up. Um, I'm actually going to go to Falls Creek with Andy oh, in November. Oh, really? Yeah. So we're going to train together. So I think we should be able to get... Maybe we'll, I'll test if we get through this episode, all right? And if it does, I'll go to Falls Creek with him. <laughs> That'll be a pretty lonely Falls Creek camp. Um, no, nah, I think more people are going to go now. Okay. I think a lot of MTC will go. Oh, really? Yeah. True. Don't think I will be. I'm not going to be. Not a few up to that yet. Yeah. But yeah. So are you going to go in Jan or maybe not? Yeah, maybe. I but definitely want to go in Jan. That's my aim. Two people definitely go on. So, but yeah, I think I'm going to go from maybe the third to the twenty fourth. Um, spend yeah. three weeks up there, come back and then go to Japan. So, um, MTC be the non uh, falls MTC. Would they be at Waverley then? Do you reckon? Uh, yeah, probably. I would just do a month of the town by myself. Mm. Yeah. Maybe. So, yeah, we'll be good. Um, and now we have an interview. Yep. So, Riley spoke with Daniel Hopkins from Runner's Paradise. Um, we thought it would be just an interesting an interesting chat. Uh, we actually set up the mics on the way to fishing, so it's an in-person <laughs> chat. We had to walk in with our tails between our legs going, how, how many fish did you catch? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> literally it's just like, uh, don't talk, don't talk about it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Riley spoke to Daniel about you know his life and where he got to in his uh, in his career because you know he used to work for Nike. Yeah, nineties one of them. Yeah, he had some cool like old Nike posters in the uh, yeah in the office. It's the interesting he hearing must have stolen from the Nike office. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting hearing like just about how that like, that you know sort of line of work was in the nineties compared to now. Yeah, it's a different thing, right? Pre social media with all the athletes yep. and marketing and stuff like that. It's definitely. You know, athletes seem to get sponsored based on their results purely. Yeah. Whereas like now it's like, okay, you've run that time, but how many Instagram followers? Exactly. Yeah. Which is why, you know, Brett and Jack obviously buy their Instagram followers. <laughs> Whereas you can see mine is mine is all organic. Um, but yeah, also they spoke about, you know, his own running. He came second in his age group at Sydney Marathon last week. With a real nice blister. Oh, that was Horrible. Yeah. I would say we'll share that image to our listeners, but I reckon we might lose a lot of fans. Yeah, sorry. For... Full gore, like absolutely gory. 
Um, and yeah, they also talk about uh, what it's like to, to run a retail store. Like obviously just Runners Paradise is brand new. So interesting hearing that business side of running. Um, and they go into a lot about the product stuff. I think they're both both pretty nerdy with the running side of the product. Yeah. Even when we're there just for a little bit and I'd ask like one little question about a shoe and he'd just give us a five-minute spiel about yeah. it. And we're like, mate, Tell- the fish are behind when you get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those tiny fish that were they're nibbling. <laughs> but no, enjoy this interview. Hey, everybody. What's up? Welcome to a special interview we have for you today. If you have not been listening to our Patreon series, my name's Riley. I'm your host. Uh, and I'm here today in the second floor of Runner's Paradise, which is a brand new running specialty store located in Melbourne's eastern suburbs in uh, Blackburn. Fun fact, I used to, we're kind of opposite the train station. I used to commit crimes there as a as a juvenile. It's been a while since I've been back, but happy to be here. Uh, and I'm sitting across the table from Daniel Hopkins. Daniel, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Riley. How are you? Yeah, pretty well. Hey, thanks for coming on the show today. Um, I really want to delve into a whole host of topics depending on how much time we've got but I want to learn a bit more about your background with the sport you've been in the sport for a long long time uh I want to talk a little bit about what it's like to open a retail store I mean uh, as runners we kind of take running retail for granted right we they're just there or we shop online or whatever else but I'd love to get into the nuts and bolts of how you set a running store up, what you're trying to do for people with a running store. And then um, I think let's talk about some products. It's all the stuff that people want to hear about. So how does that sound? Sounds pretty good. All right. Yep. Really um, tell me about your background in running. I know you've been around for a long time. You're a very accomplished runner yourself and we'll talk about Sydney Marathon shortly. But uh, talk to us about your background in the sport. Uh, I don't know about accomplished, but I, I have run for many years um, I've just moved into the uh, the distinguished 50-plus category. <laughs> so I've got my Zimmer frame polished up, ready to go. So it's uh, it's moving pretty well. I've got a good workout at Sydney. But, yeah, I started you know, I started running in primary school like it, you know, a lot of people do and then ran, um, ran through high school, ran athletics, a little bit of cross-country through high school and then uh, finished high school and then kept running with it. It was sort of one of those choices where I loved footy, I loved running. Um, if I was going to keep playing footy, which I wasn't really good at, but I loved it, probably need to put on 10 or 15 kilos yeah. pretty quickly. Um, and I was probably better at running and I enjoyed it a lot and kept going with running and was you know lucky enough to have just really good people around me that um, formed some amazing friendships and, and stayed, you know, stayed running. Uh, gravitated into the into the running industry, which was amazing. Um, it was certainly not planned, but just happened quite organically. Um, I was, you know, going through school. Um, my school coach just happened to be Steve Ovet's coach slash training partner, and uh, and I met him when I was in start of year eleven. He said, "Look, come down to training on Saturday. I train a couple of boys that you know you can jump in with." Um, one of these boys was Peter Burke, Commonwealth Games, 800 metre gold medalist. Another boy was, uh, Pedro Donoghue, who about 18 months later won the bronze medal at the Commonwealth Games in the 1500. And another one was, uh, Mark Hipworth, who went on to become my coach and probably best mate for the next 30 years. And, um, 
just being around those guys and I got absolutely flogged in every <laughs> session that I, I was, you know, 15, 16 and, um, and just sort of getting into some proper training at the time and they were, you know, they were world-class mm. um, championship medalists and, but just loved the buzz of being around, mm. being around them and being treated, you know, I was a kid but I was treated like an equal and, um, if I could sort of be on the same lap as them in training, then life was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so that really, I think, um, whet my appetite for for running and being around running mm. even more. Yeah, I've got to bet my family were all all runners. My dad, my grandfather, all ran um, in the stall gift, and unfortunately, I didn't get any fast twitch muscle fibers <laughs> handed down, but uh, certainly inherited the 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 love and enjoyment of running. Mm. So that's. That's where it all started and then um, finished school and you made the choice to keep going with running and uh, and started training with, with Mark Hipworth. A couple of the guys in our group uh, were working at Nike and uh, and I'd, um, I'd dropped out of uni um, doing an engineering degree, realised that wow. uh, I wasn't really well suited to that at the time or at least that's what I thought and, uh, and got a job working in the warehouse at Nike as a as an 18 year old and I remember walking in and through the back door at, uh, at Abbotsford mm. and just smelling the shoes. It yeah. was like, oh, this is great. I just love this. And every box that came through, you want to open the shoes and see all the new stuff. And this is 1992. Wow. So the industry was a bit different back then, yeah. but, um, and the shoes were different, but I just loved it. And, uh, and went on and stayed at Nike for the next 12 years, sort of um, weaseled my way into marketing yeah. uh, from the warehouse, which um, just sort of seemed to happen. I'm not sure it would happen these yeah, days. But yeah, <laughs> I wonder. But, uh, but yeah, that was uh, an amazing opportunity and, and, that, um, and worked at Nike at a pretty amazing time. Yeah. yeah. And as you talk through that, I look over at the wall here and we've got a bunch of your accreditations from various events over the years. Now, I pride myself on my collection of accreditations from New York marathons and whatever else. You've well and truly got me covered. You've got <laughs> some very impressive uh, accreditations here. but um, And I'm sure there's stories behind all of them. The team official for Russia uh, in Edmonton 2001 is an interesting one. I'm sure you saw some things there. Yeah, look, uh, you know, the Russian team couldn't have succeeded the way they did without me. A lot of people <laughs> have, have often said. Um, no, it was one of those things where uh, Nike, um, working for Nike, um, a lot of the federations that were sponsored by Nike and they'd sort of, uh, uh, if we couldn't get an accreditation through appropriate channels, ah, got it. someone would know someone and, um, and lo and behold, I got off the plane in Edmonton as a Russian official, uh, Russian coach. So I'm not sure who I coached, but um, I'm sure they were good. Uh, yeah, I'm sure and, they did well. And I'm sure then they were all above board as well. I'm not, you know, can't say, uh, I can't say how they're going now. The but, other stuff uh, happened later. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what my lawyer told me to say anyway. Um, let's, let's rapidly fast forward to last weekend because you mentioned that you've just entered the 50 plus age bracket. Jeez, you'd be one of the fastest in that bracket, I would have thought. Second fastest. So Talk me through. I'm, I'm so curious about Sydney Marathon. I've not spoken to many people actually, who actually who ran it apart from Robbo. Um, what was your Sydney Marathon experience like? The course, obviously the weather is beyond anyone's control, but I'd love to 
hear about your Sydney Marathon and a pretty impressive time as well. Yeah, look, I, I thought it was a brilliant event. Um, and I, I actually rang Wayne Larden, the race director, um, probably about six weeks ago and said, look, you know, hats off to you for you know, pushing this, mm. pushing this path. Um, I think it could be fantastic for not just Sydney but the Australian running community in general if Australia gets a world major. Is there anything that we can do to to help? And so, you know, we did a couple of shop runs where we're promoting Sydney Marathon and, yeah, I just think it's such a great community, the running community, and the fact that they, you know, I think a lot of people question whether it would be feasible to get the numbers that they got but growing from 4,000, I think, last year yeah. to 17,000 yeah. something this year, that is phenomenal. And even some people I spoke to at the expo said, no, oh, you know, Sydney's good, but, you know, they probably won't get people out on the course supporting. Well, it was incredible support all the way around the course. Wow. Um, I've run Gold Coast and Melbourne and uh, it was equal if not better yeah. um, than both of those experiences in terms of continuous on-course support um, from people lining the course mm. uh, around the around the water's edge to Centennial Park and Oxford Street. Um, it was just amazing. I think logically as well, the more runners on course, the more supporters on course, right? Because for most people... If you're running, you've got a loved one or a friend who's going to be on course. So, you know, we kind of expect or the, or the knockers would kind of expect, oh, Sydney doesn't, it's not going to have the same atmosphere as New York or London. And, well, yeah, no kidding. They have 50,000 people running. Even if Sydney's got 17, you're not going to have that same feeling. But if you can kind of look into the future and say, okay, well, now they've got 17, but when they have 30,000, what does it look like then and what the, what's the atmosphere like then? Yeah, and, and I think that's the exciting part that um, that we can now sort of see in the future and mm. go, okay, well, wow, that was the first crack mm. at becoming a world major. What if they actually yeah. take it up to the next level? And, you know, I think something like the City to Surf has always had a bit of a festive atmosphere um, and it sort of attracts the, the serious runners and the recreational runners. Um and then, you, you know, to your point, you think, well, the growth in the numbers for Sydney Marathon would have been a phenomenal number of people out there for the first time doing a marathon. Yeah. And you can imagine, you know, walking into the office and someone says, oh, I'm doing Sydney Marathon. Like, you? Really? <laughs> yeah. well, I'm coming out to watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I think that's the good thing, right? And that's the, that's the exciting part for their entrant numbers in the future is, in, yeah, in office buildings all around Sydney, there would have been people saying, oh, yeah, I've signed up, I'm going to do it. And then this week there would have been those same people walking into the office saying like, yeah, I did it. Mm. I actually did it. It was incredible. It hurt. It was hard, whatever else. But now their colleagues are thinking, well, shit, if, if he did it or if she did it, I could do it next year. And that's how it spreads, I think. Most definitely. And I think... Yeah, and the marathon is one of those events where you, know, you don't have to be fast. Mm. Um, you, you can be out there for a long time and if you've got a bit of resolve and you've done a bit of training, you can, you can just get there. I, you know, in our previous business, we, um, we had a wine business in one of the restaurants that we sold wine to in Sydney. Uh, the guy that owns and runs this restaurant was running his first marathon. Now, if you looked at him, you'd say, this guy isn't a marathon runner, yeah. but he did it. And he did it in five hours, 47 minutes. 
and he was out there in the heat and he was so proud of himself for yeah. doing it, as he should be. Yeah. Like it's amazing effort. Phenomenal. But had Sydney have not been pushing to do a world major, it wouldn't have been on his radar. Mm. So I think I think that's the great thing about an event like that. Yeah. It encourages so many people to want to be part of a new community uh, and that's awesome. Yeah, and, and that's where like, <clears throat> pardon me, and I, I often think about this in the context of like, things I'm involved with, with Hunter or different programs or whatever, like, okay, he runs his first marathon in five hours, whatever. Now there's a chance that he ticks that off and he says, cool, I'm done with running. I, I don't need to run anymore. But there's a chance that it changes his life, right? There's a chance that he gets more in love with running and it does wonders for his physical health, his mental health, his relationships, blah, blah, blah. Like that's the really exciting part other than just what the sub three hour group are doing and it's great for them and what they're doing, but it's really fantastic for all the newer comers, I think. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. And I, I'm sure that, um, I know that, you know, he's got, he's got kids who are, um, getting into, into sport and are active and, you know, transitioning from high school to their working, working lives. Mm. And, and I've absolutely no doubt that, uh, his run would have inspired many mm. in his network who would say, wow, if, if you can do it, then then I can do yeah. it. Yeah, it's great. Let's talk about your race specifically. What were you looking for going in and how did you how did the race play out for you on the day? Uh, so initially I was – I really just signed up with the view of, well, you know, I'll be part of the numbers and I'll jog along because I ran Gold Coast and it's a bit of a tight turnaround. Mm. But I then found out it was the age group national championships and oh, I, yeah. I, I knew a guy who was running, Ant Rickards, and uh, he's he's a good runner. He is. Well, we went to school together. Oh, right. So he was a year ahead of me at school, and uh, and we've raced a bit over shorter stuff this year, and and I've had his measure most races, but I knew he's a serious marathon <laughs> runner. So uh, anyway, um, so yeah, I was really just going in. Ideally, like my greatest day would have been getting on the podium for that age group stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was seventh in my age at Gold Coast and, and I had a few issues in the back half at Gold Coast and I thought, well, if I can just hang on and, you know, maybe stay in the top three for the yeah. age group, that'd be yeah. ideal. And, and um, but the unknown was the time yep. because it's hilly. So I thought, well, that's going to slow things down mm. a little bit, but I didn't know by how much because mm. I've never run a hilly marathon. And then um, as we got closer to it, the other part was the heat. Yeah. And uh, and I saw Ant on the start line and we had a chat and I recognised that he was in much better shape than I was. <laughs> and um, he he sort of did some quick calculations on what he thought he would run on a cold, uh, flat course. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, yeah, well, I'm not in that shape. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, but he sort of factored in roughly three minutes for the hills and three minutes for the heat. Hmm. And uh, and he finished six minutes outside of his predicted time in wow. 2.43. Wow. And uh, and I think I was I was third across the line in the age group but second in the national championship. So I'm assuming that there was an, an international yeah. who was a little bit quicker than both of us. So wow. I was – yeah, I was absolutely stoked. And, um, and ran a PB, which – uh, which I was really pleased with, and I know probably wasn't the normal uh, result for many in Sydney, but 
it was probably also <coughs> the smartest that I've ever run a marathon. Right. In that I just ran conservatively in the first half and just waited a little bit longer than what I normally would yep. to to try and push through. Yeah. And, and and I think it worked. And yeah, got things right like nutrition and hydration mm. and yeah, I knew it was gonna be knew it was going to be hot. And so um, just planned better than I probably have mm. in the past. Um, and it paid off and you know, you sort of get into a rhythm in the back half of a, a good marathon where once you start passing a couple of people, you start to feel pretty good. Yeah. Uh, whereas at Gold Coast it was, oh, gee, another person's gone past me, another person's yeah. gone past me and it's, that's tough. Um, yeah. And most of the marathons I've had have been people going past me looking how I want it to look. Yeah. So it was nice to finally get one right. Was it? Is it? You spoke about being conservative in that first half and waiting a bit longer than you normally would. Is that challenging? I really struggle with that. I don't have the patience. I'm not a patient person generally, but especially in a race, I like, I feel good, I want to go. Or is it hard to hold back like that? Yeah. And I guess for me, probably the smartest decision I made was at about the, around the 10K mark. Um, the 245 pace group was, was sort of running at about the pace that I was running at. And, and I thought, I'm not sure if I can run 245 today, but it sort of feels comfortable running at the time with those guys. Mm. And then around the 10K mark, I started to think about what was coming ahead in terms of, I knew the hills were between 15 and 20K. Yeah. So I consciously made the decision to back off uh, at about the 10K mark, 10 or 11K, and just let them drift away by sort of two or three seconds a K. So it's not yeah. not a huge amount, but it also just let that elastic band go where I was in control of my race mm. rather than going, oh, what what if I hung onto those yeah. guys and what if I ran 245? Wouldn't that be awesome? And sort of let that once I let that go and just went, no, no, it's my it's my run. Yeah, you know, it's, mm. it's only relative to me what I do. If I can just be conservative and I really want to feel good, as good as I can, running up the hills. Yeah. And got to the hills and went, yeah, okay, this is this is okay. And those that group that I was running with there, 200 metres ahead, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, and then got into Centennial Park and once we got into sort of Moore Park, Centennial Park, probably around that um, 20 to 25K mark was when the placings didn't change. I was running with the same group and, yeah, okay. and it was sort of, okay, Settled. here's where I am. Um, and, and again, just sort of being comfortable that that's where I'm at and the real running is going to start in about another 5 or 10K. <laughs> and and, and that, I reckon that's the hardest part between sort of 15 and 30 where you go, all right, th there's a long way to go and I've just got to, it's going to hurt, mm. but it's got to be. There's got to be a bit of a comfortable rhythm in there as yeah. well. So, yeah, for once, for once, I got it right. I think. Yep. So, and two forty eight. Yeah, two forty eight. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, which which I was I was wrapped with, but um, but probably the most pleasing part was actually for the first time sticking to a plan. Yeah, uh, yeah, when it was so tempting at that 
sort of early stage in the race to go, ooh, what if? <laughs> I feel good. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I've done that before and... Yeah, yeah we all have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so that, that was... I was really pleased with myself yep. to follow the plan and then even more pleased that, you know, the, the result was a good one. Yeah. How did your kit perform on the day? You went with the... Uh, it's the Mizuno, what do they call it? The Wave Rebellion Pro or something like yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, Where, great what, shoe. What, yeah, what made you choose that shoe? Yeah, so um, so I ran the Socony Endorphin Elite at Gold Coast and, and loved it. Um, and I started uh, training in the Wave Rebellion Pro uh, not, well, when I started getting serious about running Sydney and I was running hills over Wattle Park and I thought, oh, yeah. I want to run in a super shoe to try and do some longer sessions, but I want something with a bit of meat under it, and that's got a really thick mm. midsole. Um, they've been quite clever the way they've got around the World Athletics rules to right. um, get under the 40 mil in the right spot, but you've got about 50, 52 mil in the middle ah, of the shoe. okay. And I knew I'm terrible at running downhills. I'm not too bad going up, but I wanted a shoe that I could really open up on the downhills sure. without smashing my quads. So I was using that shoe, training around Wattle Park and um, and loved it. Yeah. And I probably did four long runs around Wattle Park in the shoe and went, actually, this is this is going to be the race day mm. shoe. But one of those sessions, um, I didn't have the left shoe tied up probably tight enough. So going down the hills, my foot was moving around just a little bit and, you know, just a little bit over 34K can sort of yeah, give yeah. you a bit of a black toner, which it did. Uh, and the other critical mistake I made was I had an appointment with podiatrist about two weeks before Sydney and and I cancelled it because I got busy, but I shouldn't have. Um, so then at about the 20K mark in the marathon, I got a pretty savage blood blister um, and then it burst at about the 25K mark. Ooh. So... My shoe looks like I was shot by a sniper, um, uh, so it looked pretty messy. But it, yeah, it didn't feel too bad. Once, yeah. once the blood blister burst, yeah, um, it actually felt good. It looked shocking, but felt good. Yeah. So. And overall, super happy with the choice. Love the shoe. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd wear that shoe on that course again. No problem at all. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Let's talk more about Runners Paradise. You've been open. I'm gonna guess about three or four months three months yep yeah fantastic we're here in blackburn as i said earlier what what made you want to open a running store i think you know the running community there's probably so many people out there who love running and love product and gear and probably have the same ambition right um what made you want to open it and when did that process start when did it go from just like a dream to an idea to a plan yeah, and and that was certainly the thinking. Um, I remember the time, like I was, I finished up at Nike in two thousand and four, um, and and sort of looked at what was happening in Australia and what was happening in the US and and Europe around that time. And you know, the prevalence of running specialty stores in the US and Europe was always much higher mm. than what it is in Australia. And thought, ah, oh, wouldn't it be great if there was more options here for runners? Mm. Um, and then didn't give it much thought until. I, I sort of had a break in my own running between my late 20s and, and late 30s. I, was, I had a bad injury at around 26 and my sports doctor um, read the last rites on yeah. my left knee but, um, 
Uh, I was able to rehab that over probably the next five to eight years to the point where I could sort of get back into, into some better running and then, yeah, life gets busy and um, and it's hard to fit in the running that you want to fit mm. in. And and uh, But when I got back into – I ran my first marathon ten years ago and – and I guess that was the first stimulus of, oh, this is great. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm back yeah. doing something that I love. And um, and then when my eldest daughter started running on the track, we jumped into some some of the pro races together, and and that was great fun. And and that was sort of the next stimulus of, oh, what if I trained a bit more and yeah. did a yeah. bit more and got a bit fitter. Um, <laughs> and I guess the part that really excited me as well sort of as a as a you know participant and as a consumer in running was I guess seeing the changes in technology mm. uh, was really exciting in that you know we never had GPS watches and, yeah, yeah. Um, and the phones that we had in the 90s um, you know weighed as much as a laptop does now uh, so that the technology wasn't really really there mm. and so seeing you know gps watches come through seeing apps come through um little things like um headphones that don't have cords yeah. that you can actually run with and yeah. listen to podcasts and listen to music was i think has been a real game changer um but also i think at a positive level seeing things like social media where runners get to share um share their experiences in running mm. um you know, people that uh, can post doing a Sydney marathon the next day and people in the office go, oh, my God, did you did you do that? Yeah. Were you out there on that hot day? That's amazing. That's incredible. And I think that sort of opened up running to a whole new, whole new audience. So they were some of the things that sort of excited me about. Mm. Um, the opportunity I thought was there, but I think it's just the connection, um, the way that running now can connect to a broader community, a much broader community than I guess when I was in my teens and 20s where, um, you know, it's more accessible. Um, you've got certainly fun runs have grown and marathons have grown, yeah. but then you've got this, you know, whole new community of trail runners. Yeah. Who are, you know, they're the new weekend warriors and, yeah. and they're, you know, exploring, um, you know, sort of combining that running, exploring nature um, and they're interested in nutrition and hydration and different products for different surfaces. Mm. So, yeah, there's so many different ways now that people can actually um, enjoy running. And, and with our store, we're trying to tap into all of those. So it's, I guess what we wanted to do was initially provide a space that had all the products that any runner could find. So yeah. Yeah, most people know that it's hard to find running spikes and racing flats at, you know, at your shopping centre yeah. sports store. So that was that was a no-brainer. That was that was something that we'd always focus on. But we also wanted to be able to do that without making the recreational runner feel like they didn't belong, that yeah. it was a sort of elitist thing. You, know, you can only come in here if you're a track runner or if you're a, if you're a fast runner. So we've been really deliberate about... Um, just making anyone who runs at whatever level mm. uh, or even walking, you know, feel welcome that, you know, it's, it's really just about just keep moving. Yeah. Whatever that, whatever that looks like for you, just keep moving yeah. um, because walking can lead to running, running can lead to 
park run. Park run can lead to 10K fun runs. 10K yeah. fun runs can lead to marathons. Marathons can lead to ultras, um, you know, and the list the list goes on. So yeah. you can sort of come in at whatever, whatever level you want um, and that's something that, you know, we've tried to do. We've started a, a shop run on a Wednesday night um, at 6 o'clock and we've got people that turn up with the pram and push the pram and walk and then we've got um, guys that are looking to break age group world records, yeah, Australian right. records in wow. uh, in the marathon at the end of the year. Uh, shout out Michael Urie. Um, and then we've got school kids that are just sort of, you know, they've been to their cross country and they're looking for people to run with and um, and discovering, you know, their running journey. Mm. So um, we've, we've really sort of put the emphasis on making it uh, everyone feels sort of included and comfortable in the space and we've had some amazing guests come along to join us for the run. We had Brett come along a couple of weeks ago and that was brilliant hearing his story. And, I, you know, I, I'm sort of into it so I, I kind of knew a bit of it but yeah. it was amazing looking around the room and hearing him talk about, oh, well, I got this marathon right and I got that one really wrong. Yeah. And everyone's going, oh, I've done that. Oh, really? <laughs> he made that mistake too. I made that mistake. Um, so it makes it so much more relatable. And, you know, we had Lisa Waitman um, mm. the week after Brett and, you know, she's 44 and running PBs. So, again, you look around the room, people go, oh, I'm in my 40s, I'm yeah. in my 50s, so I can I can keep running well. Wow, that's that's amazing. So what we want to try and do is, is yeah, really join the dots and say, well, yeah, Brett and, um, and Lisa, they're absolutely elite, but... Um, there are so many connections with what they do and with what the everyday recreational runner does. Mm. Uh, they just do it a bit faster than most people. Yeah, that's right. Um, one of the things, and not, and not to turn this into an ad for Runner's Paradise, but one of the things that I really like about heading into the store downstairs is you've pretty much got every major running brand that I can think of or that most people would need. What's that process like? Of I mean, how do you select a, a, which brands you want to stock, and then what's the process like of actually selecting a range? And you've only got so much floor space and all that sort of stuff. How do you go about that whole process? Yeah, well, I guess you know I've been involved in the industry directly for a lot of years, and then um, some things have changed, but a lot of things haven't. Yeah, um, there's been some new brands that have have come in, like. You know, think of brands like Hoga and On um, and Ultra that mm. weren't around when I was at Nike. Yeah. Um, so, and they're now, you know, they're now great brands. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we sort of start with the usual suspects and um, and then sort of look a little bit more broadly. Uh, a lot of the conversations that we started with brands were two years ago. Wow. So, and a lot of the brands, you know, you'd be buying products nine months in a, yeah. ahead of when they're actually arriving into the country. So, you know, the challenge for a new business is, okay, so how many size nines will I need of <laughs> that shoe and that model? <clears throat> so uh, as much as I'd like to say um, it's uh, a cute business experience, it's also there's a bit of – there's got to be a bit of suck it and see that goes yeah. into it and, um, you know, there's some – uh, there's some buying decisions that you've got to make that you just go, okay, well, I think that's logical and I think yeah. that'll work out. Um, and I think that 
people that will come into the store will, will like those products that we select. Yeah. Um, but you've also got to listen to your customers and and, yeah. uh, and that's that's kind of the fun stuff that we're seeing now as people come in and and try shoes on. And the beauty of it as well is, you know, we've got a huge range of the super shoes but not all super shoes are created equal. Mm. And even the training shoes, um, you know, I, I sort of say regularly, there's not a bad shoe on the wall but not every shoe is going to suit every person. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's really important to have breadth and depth Mm. So that you know we can work through that process with with runners and find out you know what suits them, what they like, um, and so much of it comes down to you know personal perception and personal comfort. Um, you know, there'll be shoes that you love that I go, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. okay, and there's shoes that <laughs> I love that you go, yeah, not for me. Yeah, and that's you know that's the beauty of it. Yeah. So you've got to have you've got to have a lot of options for people and. Mm. Um, uh, and that's, I think that's a part that we all enjoy most is when someone comes in and says, right, what have you got? Yeah, uh, yeah. And we go through that process with them. I get that. I, I literally had three separate mates this week who, who are kind of occasional runners but they dip in and out and they cycle and they do other things, messaging me saying, hey, I want to get back into it. I need a shoe that does this. What do you recommend? Mm. And it's fun, right? Because it's this, and there's so many great products out at the moment that, I think I probably rattled off five different shoes from five different brands and said like, hey, if you want to wear ASICs, I would choose this. Or if you want to wear on, maybe look at this. And then hearing them come back and say, oh, I went and tried a few on and I got the ASICs. Thanks so much. They're perfect. Yeah. Love that. And so I, I do that a couple of times a week with friends. You're doing that multiple times a day, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'd love to chat more about products. What do you... What are you seeing in the industry now that's interesting or exciting? What are your customers telling you that they're liking? What's going really well? Like from my perspective, it's it's kind of undeniable. Like on a on a on a rampage at the moment, right? Like obviously um, must have some fairly juicy marketing budgets over there in uh, in Switzerland, but it's it's paying off. I, I remember a couple of years ago going into the on office. It was on Swan Street at the time and it was a tiny office. It was like, it was this room for 10 people, right? It was, it was pretty small and they were showing me products and they were cool but no one was wearing them yet. So you're kind of like, is it cool? I don't, I'm not sure. It's It looks interesting but I don't really know. And now those same products are everywhere and everyone's everyone's buying them. I think New Balance are doing really interesting stuff. We spoke about the Supercomp trainer before. ASICs have changed their brand in like three years. Yeah. Oh, the... Yeah, that, that's been phenomenal and I think um, you have to give them credit as a brand that you – I think most people would sort of look at ASICs and say two or three years ago and get, say they're too conservative to make such a radical change. Yeah. But they did and and I think it's for the better. I think the product they've got now is absolutely amazing from uh, the Super Blast which is just an incredible shoe. Um, you know, long run training shoe. Mm. For a while there I was thinking maybe I'll use that shoe for the marathon. Um, but then I wasn't sure because it's over the stack height. Ah. Uh. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I got my age group uh, yeah. age group medal, oh, gee, it, it would hurt having you. that taken away. So, um, no, they, they've done a great job and even um, shoes like the, the Nimbus Fundamental mm. Change, Kayano Fundamental Change, 
um, but for the better. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's having worked for some big brands, it's it's hard for big brands to make big changes. Mm. Um, but they've they've done that, and I think they've done it really well. And I think the shoes they've got now in the market um, are more enjoyable to run in mm. for more people. Um, you know, the Nimbus is just soft and plush, and you know, it's my favourite recovery shoe. The mm. Kayano has got a, you know, it's had a loyal following for thirty years, um, but traditional Kayano wearers are getting to the new one and going, oh wow. That, that feels so much better. Yeah, right. Um, which is great. And then people that haven't worn the Kayano that need a bit of stability going, oh, well, this isn't how I remember mm. the Kayano, you know, used to be. So they're, they're just more runnable, they're more enjoyable. So credit to them for changing. Um, yeah, brands like On, uh, I love what they're doing at all points of the market and that they're investing in athletes. Yeah. And I think that's really important because, you know, a lot of, People, you know, that are, might be looking for a particular performance shoe like a track spike or a um, or a marathon shoe, you know, look at what the elites are yeah. wearing. And, you know, to one's credit, they let their athletes wear other brands until they were ready with the product, um, until the athletes were happy with the product. Mm. And now the athletes are happy with the product and they're, Breaking records and winning yeah, races yeah. and and winning medals and um and the product is is sensational and and again I think they've listened some of the sh- some of the on shoes um are a little on the firmer side but really responsive mm. but now they've started to come out with some softer options the mm. um the Cloud Surfer uh, I absolutely love um yeah really soft really well cushioned. Um, maybe not the best shoe if you've got some, if you need a little bit of control and need a little bit of stability, but they've got other shoes that do that. Yeah. But as a soft, light, um, recovery shoe slash daily trainer, um, that's, that's an awesome shoe. And they've got a a new one coming out later in the year that, um, is in a similar category to that, that I'm pretty excited about. I had a pair of cloud surfers that I was enjoying and I left them in a hotel room somewhere. And so, yeah, that's. That's a pain point. I um, I'm really enjoying the cloud monsters. Yep. I I had I, so I, I had this pair of them for a while, but I I'd only worn them a couple of times, and then maybe six weeks ago, I was interviewing uh, Tess Marks, a Melbourne runner, on on Amateur Hour, and she was saying, "Yeah, hey, I'm doing a fair bit of my running in cloud monsters," and she was about the fifth person that I'd heard from that was talking about cloud monsters, and I I thought. Oh, I should see, see if I still have that pair. Maybe I was a bit quick to judge them. Like, oh, I'll, I'll give them a few more runs. And yeah, that must have been two months ago. And I haven't taken them off. Anything except sessions, I'm wearing whether it's a 6K easy jog or whether it's a 35K long run, Cloud Monsters. Fantastic. And they've been really durable, yep. really enjoyable. The upper's fantastic. It's, it's, it's really good. Yeah, been a great, really great shoe. Yeah. No, they are. They're a, they're a great shoe and, you know, a completely new concept. And, um, you know, I can sort of pinpoint now who I think is the, the right sort of runner for yeah. that shoe and and also work out, okay, the sort of runner that I probably won't show that shoe to. Yeah. Um, but, again, that's that's kind of the beauty of having diversity 
from a brand that you can pull out different options. Mm. If someone loves a particular brand, um, we can find different models within that brand that, that are going to suit them. Um, but also, you know, a lot of people come into the store and look at the look at the holes in yeah, the on yeah. of well, what's going on there. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I guess the category that I'm probably most excited about now is uh, the super trainer mm. category. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got the Super Blast from ASICS, which is, you know, an amazing shoe. We've this got. is, the, I didn't, so I'm, for, for everyone listening who can't actually see me right now, I'm holding a, a Super Blast in my hand. It's a lot, fir- it feels like it's got that, the midsole has got that firmness of a super shoe, right? Like you can tell it's got a plate in it. As you, no. No, what? No, yeah. It's so and that's, firm. That's that's the assumption wow. that I made, and most people make is that. Oh yeah, I guess when you flip it over, you can see the you can see the foam on the inside. Yeah, yeah. It it it's got that when you try and bend a vapor fly or something, and it's got that stiffness. This yeah. has a similar stiffness to it. Wow. Yeah, and I think um, so. This category, I think, is a real game changer. Not just in the so for the um, for the long runs, for the longer marathon type mm. sessions. Um, You've now got the the, the uh, Super Blast. You've got um, you've got the Mac X from Hoka, which has got the carbon plate in it and the soft responsive Super Foams. And then you've got the uh, Super Comp Trainer from yep. New Balance, which I think is just a brilliant shoe. That they're um, on the second version of that, right? I had the first yeah. version, which was okay. I yep. didn't mind it, but I didn't replace it once it was done. I just moved yep. it on. But the second version is out now, right? It is, and. And again, there's some people that put that shoe on and say it's way too soft for them. Yeah. Uh, so in that in that instance, we switch them over to something like the um, Kinvara Pro from Socony. Yeah. It's got also mm. got a plate, also got a huge stack in it, two layers of, of foam. Um, so there's there are options now. So it's it's great to see that category growing because a little bit like the super shoes from a couple of years ago, where you know when Nike came out with it. There were two options. Yeah, the Vaporfly and the Alphafly. Yeah. Um, whereas now we've got uh, multiple brands providing different concepts, different offers, and it's great because some of those shoes, some of the super shoes, and some of the super trainers will feel completely different for mm. people depending on, you know, if you're five foot zero and weigh yeah, forty eight yeah. kilos, or if yeah. you're six foot two and weigh one hundred and ten kilos. Yeah. Um, if you're a four foot striker, if you're a rear foot striker. Yeah. So all of those sort of factors come into play on, on how much you know which which shoe is best suited and how much you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. I, the thing I love about super shoes now is I think back to, you know, twenty seventeen and watching the breaking two documentary and whatever and at that point you could get what were they even called four percents and mm. then you could get zoom flies right and, yeah and me and all my mates trying to get four percents and not being able to get them and then wearing zoom flies and that was fine that was great and then i think i think Socony were one of the first to actually uh, or after nike to ha- bring out a carbon shoe and so that was great that was exciting adidas were really late i remember ASICs were probably one of the latest to bring out a super shoe. Um, but what I love is every brand has a real point of difference with their super shoe yeah. now. Like we've spoken about the Mizuno shoe, um, Saucony, Adidas. I actually, I don't I don't love the Adidas brand a lot, but I can't stop wearing the Adios Pro 3. I love that <laughs> shoe. Um, Saucony, Endorphin Elite. Like there's, there's something for everybody now. Um, I also... I wear the New Balance SC Elite 
a lot. Yeah. I don't think that's the fastest super shoe. It's not, but it's probably the most comfortable. And that feels to me like it feels like I'm putting on a normal shoe, but it's got great stack. It's got a carbon plate. I always pull up really well from wearing it. So, uh, you know, I think five, six years ago, credit to Nike for sort of leading this space. But mm. now there's there truly is something for everybody and it, and it gives us all, you know, like there are a lot of people probably wearing this Wave Rebellion Pro from Mizuno who have never worn a Mizuno shoe before. No doubt, yeah. And it, it looks very... Mizuno, I sort of, I think, is sort of perceived to be a fairly traditional brand. Mm. It's not a traditional shoe. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it is, yeah, it's taking the super shoe design to a whole new level, um, and that's great. And yeah, like you said, different brands are putting their own expression into the, into the shoe, which is awesome for consumers because you come in, you've now got choice. Mm. Um, and the thing we do with. Anybody that's coming in in that super shoe category, that um, whether it be for Melbourne Marathon, Sydney Marathon, or 10k park run, whatever it might be, is actually getting them running in the shoe. And one of the things that we say is, don't do you know a sprint down the street because yeah. if you're sprinting down the street, they'll all feel amazing. But run <laughs> at sort of the way that you're going to feel you're going to run in a marathon. Mm. Maybe at the 30k mark, where your legs are a bit yeah, tired, you're yeah, hitting the yeah. ground a bit differently than what you would over uh, over a 5k park run, because the shoes will have a very different feeling with that pace and that effort mm. um, than they will if you're sprinting down the street. Mm. Uh, I want to talk briefly about nutrition slash hydration. Probably another thing I love about coming in here is you got a lot of options. You got brands I like. What are you? What are you seeing from customers? What are customers buying in that sort of nutrition space? Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's a, a great space in that um, whether you be preparing for your first time marathon or just looking at getting a little bit more out of out of your training and recovering a bit better, I think the the awareness has certainly peaked um, mm. way more than what it ever used to be. And and you know we had uh, we had Morton come in a couple of weeks ago and talk to talk to our shop run group about um, you know why their products are are so good and you know one of the most um, widely used gels and mm-hmm. uh, on the market um, and and it sort of provided the education with people about not just on race day but in the lead up to yeah. race day and I think that's that's probably a little bit like the super shoe discussion where I think some of the biggest gains in in super shoes and super trainers are the training you can do and the recovery you can get from training in in a shoe that's got the highest stack foam yeah. and that's lighter and it's faster, you recover better, you get you get a better training benefit from it. And I think nutrition is sort of in a similar boat. If you're hydrating well, taking the right nutrition for your long runs, your training runs, um, you recover, you recover better, you get more of a training benefit from that effort. Um, and I think, you know, that's people are starting to see that now. I know from my own experience. Um, you know, the old school of run hungry um, <laughs> and then, you know, have something to eat afterwards um, is is a little bit old school. Yeah. And I just know I, I recover better, I feel better if I get nutrition right before training runs. Um, so we've got, you know, brands like Fix and Morton and Tailwind and, um, and they're, uh, and, you know, Cliff. Um, yeah. They're all great products and... 
you know, like shoes, it's also one of the big things that we say to people who are sort of uh, inquiring and investigating that space is, tr- you know, try them. You know, yeah. Try a gel, try different types of nutrition. And, and we talk to them about when they can use it and how they can use it. Some of them, you won't like the taste, you won't like the flavour, yeah. you won't like the texture. Um, some of them will, you know, not sit as well in your gut as others. But a lot of that is just trial and error. If you've got iron guts, you can have everything, fantastic. Yeah. If you're a bit sensitive, well, then there's some products that are going to suit you more mm. than others. Mm. Um, some are sort of sweet and sugary and some are bland and thick. Um, but again, it's it's working out what works for every individual. Mm. Um, but I think the common factor is you get more out of your training if you get your nutrition and hydration right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The analogy to super shoes and recovery is is a good one. Um, to finish up, if people want to come down to the store or join a shop run, what are the details on that? Yeah, so the store location is 130 South Parade in Blackburn. We're on the corner of Blackburn Road. Every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock we do a shop run. We do it for 30 minutes. It's a 15-minute out and back. And the reason we do that is so that everybody starts and finishes at the same time. Um, so if you're running three-minute K pace, you're going to finish in 30 minutes. If you're running 10-minute K pace, you're going to finish in 30 minutes. So we try and keep the group together yep. at the start and finish, which is which is great. So uh, everyone's welcome. Um, come on down. And from now until the end of the year, we've got our uh, good mates at Steigen um, who are generously providing us with some uh, Runner's Paradise socks that – if you do four shop runs, you get a pair of Steigen Runners Paradise socks. Oh, nice. Yeah. So there's yeah, a nice little incentive for people to sort of keep uh, keep turning up. And like anything, once you create that habit of doing a bit of running, um, you feel good about, you know, programming in the next the next week, the next yeah. session, the yeah. next run. So, yeah, that's something that we're, we're keen to encourage. Love that. And, yeah, I think that probably the, the final thing for me would be like if you are – a Melbourne-based runner and you're trying to figure out footwear for different races or different training environments or track season or whatever else, like it, it's there's only so much you can do online to try and figure out, would I like this? Would I not like this? Would What size am I in this brand? It's really hard, right? So coming into a store like this and actually speaking to somebody and trying yeah. out what's best for you is like a much better plan. Yeah, that's right. And it's um, like if you've uh, each – season each model it might be just the slightest variation in size in mm. fit in you know it only takes two mil more of a foam on the heel to sort of change the dynamic of how the shoe fits so yeah we found that a lot of people are coming in and and loving that experience of being able to try on multiple spikes mm. um super shoes training shoes yeah. um and have a have a run and just see how they feel and and yeah that feeling and that perception um it's amazing how many people come in with the perception of i'm going to buy this in this size try it on go oh actually yeah i'm going to go half a size up half a size down or i'll try that model um but that's the beauty of of what we do that yeah we we want people to take the time to make the right decision Mm, love it thanks so much for your time i really appreciate it uh yeah i'm sure we'll, we'll speak again soon sounds great look forward to it all right, guys, hope you enjoyed that one. Um, Brett, what was your favourite thing of the interview? Uh, probably his shoe reviews. <laughs> what was yours? Um, 
I just like the way Riley introed it. Mm. Yeah. He always does a pretty good intro. Yeah. On things. But we listen back so that we always have to explain that as Joe because when we say this, when we haven't heard the interview yet because it hasn't been mastered and imagine Daniel interview. Uh, Daniel interview. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now we are into things I've seen on Instagram this week that you're trying to show about. Tim Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> no, if I try and get quick. Next, next week, I'm going to see if I can do the things I've seen on this game this week that we're not too sure about across like five minutes. <laughs> so slow. Um, I will kick us away because I think I know what's coming from uh, from you. So I'm hoping I'll just kick us away and then I'll edit yours out, Brett. Everyone knows what's coming from me. <laughs> I do it deliberately. When I posted it, I was like, bring it on. I like attention. Any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> Uh, mine is a video of good friends, Jen Gregson and Ryan Gregson. They're out at a, was it a bar, cafe, something like that. Yeah. just like Sitting around a table somewhere. Yeah, with the families. With the family. And uh, Jen is like, you know, panning her camera across the table. Everyone looks happy. There's, you know, the baby archer. Everyone's involved. And then it goes to Grego, who is what? 30? His 33-year-old dad. What's he doing? Dad. <laughs> he does it so. I don't even know how to dab. He, he does it so aggressively too. It's a real aggressive dab, and, it's and then he like, started planking. Okay, well, you, <laughs> I was just about to. I was hoping you were going to make a segue to planking because I, really? I was going to try. Chel, okay, what do you reckon Chelsea was like at high school? Can you, you know, Chelsea? You yeah, a bit of a, you know, bit of a goody two shoes. Got suspended for planking on top of the lockers. <laughs> <laughs> Is that? She said it yesterday. The bubs, we were talking about planking. She goes, you know, I got suspended for a couple of days <laughs> planking on top of the lockers. And I was like, you, you. I couldn't believe it. I wonder if she's lying. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Over uh, to you, Brett. Um, everyone knows what it is because I got sent it that many times. Um, <laughs> you, I, I think we can just put the photo up and everyone can have a look at it. You're dressed photo like, or video? Which one do you want? Oh, we can do either. But do, well, do you want to do you want to give us a little explanation of what's going on? It was my sister. It was her birthday on the weekend, and her has actually one of the most fun things on earth. And I kept saying to her, "I was like, fuck, your friends do so much fun stuff. I wish my friends like, could do something like this." And Phoebe goes, "My friends have never done something like this. This is a one-off." <laughs> yeah. But what it was was like a I think they call it like a tour de fridge or whatever, where it's like there's three or four houses. You have like a starter drink at one, entree at one a main and then a dessert and you, you ride your bikes from each house because it's all got to like live near each other. Like imagine it's like one one house is in Werribee, the other is in Lily, <laughs> Lilydale, one's in Frankston, 400 Ks on the bike. Um, but yeah, we, we did that on one of the uh, Phoebe's house, whose birthday it was, their theme was wedding and you got given a character as you walked in the door and uh, Chelsea and I were, um, we were the wedding crashers. And so we had to sort of convince people that like how, who we knew at the wedding. It was very funny. But the awkward thing was, was when one of Phoebe's friend housemates, like we don't know that well. Chelsea's only just met him. We're all waiting out the front and she comes up, opens the door and looks at us and goes, who the fuck are you guys? And like I remember I felt like really embarrassed and I was like, oh, like you know me, Annabelle? And she's like, I don't know who the fuck you are. Who's this? And she's looking at Chelsea and Chelsea's like getting all embarrassed. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? And she closed the door in our face. And then we walk in and we're the wedding crashes. So they're supposed to not know who oh, we are. Yeah, so it's like okay. all part of the character. And we're like, oh, and she had to come up and apologize <laughs> later. But no, um, we were wearing, I think they're called caftans. Caftans? Is it something like that? Um, 
but no, it was an it was an absolute pisser. Um, I kept saying that Chelsea looked like Jennifer Coolidge, <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge off uh, <laughs> off what's that show? Anyway, anyway, anyway. That's it. That's going to be a very long video because I just asked for a quick description. Yeah. And you went into a minute. So maybe we'll just try to cut that a little bit. But yeah. <laughs> I'm not so sure about what you're wearing. So yeah. All right. That brings us to the end of the episode. End of episode 70. We will see you in 71. And hopefully we will have more details of our involvement at the Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival. Yeah. Very excited for that. Lots of events. Shake out. Something on the Friday. <laughs> See you guys next week. See ya.